and welcome to another episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Van Wagner, and this is my co-host, Oren Martin, the Senior Director of Equipping here at Watermark. And today, we're excited because we are joined by Dave Bruskis, the Director of Regeneration. Hey, Dave. Hey. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good to be here. You might be a little bit newer to the Watermark staff, right? You've been here for how long? About six months now. Six Very months. Very new. Okay. But feels like forever. You know, <laughs> we're glad to have you. Does it Tell- feel like forever for you? No, time flies when you're having fun. So Excellent. it feels like a very brief time to me. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about, before we get into kind of what today we're going to cover, which I know both of you are really excited about. We're so excited, in fact, that we're going to make this a two-part episode because you just got super excited in the brainstorm. So, spoiler alert. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here, how long you've been here, what do you do here at Watermark? Yeah, absolutely. So, my wife, Karen, and I have been married 35 years. I have four daughters, Mm -hmm. three sons-in-law, and six grandkids, soon to be seven. Oh, wow. So I'm in that stage of life of really getting to enjoy grandkids, which I tell young parents, just hang on. It's coming. It's great. Yes, yes. And I've been in uh, pastoral ministry in the local church for about 30 years now, but I've only been in the role of director of regeneration at Watermark now for six months. So I'm still learning a lot. Uh There's a lot of things that— transfer and apply for my years as a pastor, but I'm learning a lot about regen and what that means for folks. And regen um, or regeneration is our recovery ministry. Right. We yes. like we like to say it this way, that it's a, it's a discipleship ministry uh, based on 12 steps with a recovery application. Awesome. And it meets every Monday night here at Watermark. Every Monday night. And also at, at churches across the country. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, we're so churches. excited to have you. Thanks for having um, me. Great and so here. why don't we get into what we're going to be talking about today. Oren, why don't you tee up what is what are we talking about today? Yeah, so today we're talking about union with Christ, which <clears throat> I mean, just to put it, um, you know, as simply as I can, it's the way in which we as, as believers uh, view the reality of who we are as Christians. In other words, w- when we talk about being united to Christ by faith, it's it is it is our identification with Him. The, the very one who accomplished our salvation by his life, suffering, death, resurrection, uh, and ascension. And so when we think about who we are as Christians, <clears throat> we're, we're not just simply people who are kind of, you know, separate from Christ. No, it's, it's actually we identify with him. We share in his very life. So his death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. His ascension, as Scripture talks about, is our ascension such that Paul can say things like, you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So it's really learning more and more how to live out of our identity in Christ. Okay, so the concept we're going to be talking about today is the concept of being unified with Christ, yes. which is actually about our identity as Christians, which we'll get into a ton. And I know that this is one of your favorite topics, right? And so I've—Oren, you lead the Watermark Institute, right? And so I know that some of the residents and fellows that have been in your institute have have told me, Oren loves talking about (laughs) this topic. It's kind of like a pet topic of yours. Pet feels like weird. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I think it is just because it's been so, so formative for me as a Christian. Um, You know, one one quote that I love by Sinclair Ferguson— who I love. He's fun to, to read, but he's even fun, uh, more fun to listen to. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's Scottish, so he has a cool accent. I wish I could say like him. <laughs> but, but first— Just try. Will you just try for no, us? No, I will not even try. No, that, that would be okay, terrible. Fine. <laughs> um, he, he says that the, the great temptation that most Christians face is to think that little has happened to us by grace. And, and what he means by that is, you know, you think about your own Christian life. I think about my own Christian life, and, and you think about oftentimes the, the struggle that we have with sin uh, and and the ongoing struggle. You know, you think, man, for the thousandth time, like I'm giving into that sin, you know, and am I am I not past that already? 
And, you know, it's understanding the Christian life is, 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 a, is a Christian life of, of putting off sin and putting on Christ. And so what, what Ferguson says so helpfully that's been very helpful to me is we, we need to look at our life from a different perspective. Uh, and that perspective is our union with Christ, mm-hmm. uh, that, that no matter how we feel, and, and no matter our experience at times that, that may be marked by, you know, the, the, the presence of sin and temptation, uh, the reality is uh, we have died with Christ and we've been raised with him. And that shapes who we who we fundamentally are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I can say as a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that I am in Christ and Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So it, it's conceiving really of, of who I am in Christ. It's, okay. And it's— it's amazing. Oh, oh, well, we're excited. Okay, so we're going to talk about a theological concept, the union with Christ, which is really about our identity, and it's also a lot about grace, right? Yeah. So that's where we're going, yes. and then how it applies to our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah. Um, the concept of union with Christ, how would you, in its simplest form, explain that concept to somebody who maybe has never heard that term or yeah. idea before? Yeah, well, maybe one way to talk about it, you know, I, th- I think uh, maybe even, even in our own day, uh, particularly, like literally, t- this day and age, like in the year 2023, uh, so many questions about who we are, our our identity, uh, is is sometimes you know you might hear, hear it talked about uh, of maybe how we feel. Uh, it's it's maybe you know ch- uh, who we choose to be, right? And we, so we can kind of determine our our identity, and so we can often ask, you know, and and, and it's a good question, like who am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that question, you know, p- plagues. You know, I have teenage uh, kids, and and you know their friends, and you know, it's just, I mean, it's it's a really important question, and you know, I think that question, perhaps more than any other today, is surrounded by all kinds of confusion, right? Uh, based on how we feel, based on what we do, you know, maybe you identify, you know, your, yourself as you're, you're defined by, well, I'm a, you know, a banker, or I I do this, or I do that, or I don't do this, and I don't do that, and you know, I wonder if you if you poll a hundred Christians, what they would say, who are you? When you probe Christians, uh, I, I think maybe, this is just a guess, few, few would think of, of themselves as fundamentally, I am in Christ. Yet those are precious words of the New Testament. In fact, uh, throughout the New Testament, those words are used about 200 times. Being in Christ. Being in Christ, being with Christ, living through Christ, Christ living in us. I mean, all of these are kind of uh, interchangeable terms to describe a glorious reality. Uh, it's as though maybe you know w- one word or phrase wouldn't wouldn't do justice. So God gave us, I mean, literally hundreds of of phrases to to uh, to describe who we are in in uh, in Christ. Right the, throughout the New Testament, uh, th- especially throughout Paul. I mean, Jesus talks about it. Right, if if um, you know the, the, the one who abides in me and I in him, right, bears much fruit. And that's John fifteen. That's fundamentally who we are. Right? We are a people who are in Christ, and we are a people in whom Christ lives. So is it fair to say that if I'm reading scripture and I come across that phrase, being in Christ, maybe yeah. this is a stretch. It's probably talking about this concept yes. to some extent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's I didn't know to look for that in my Bible. Yeah, it's it's so pervasive too. You'll see it, you'll see it once your eyes are open to it. You really see it everywhere. Uh-huh. So you'll see in the Lord. Yeah. You'll see in him. And so it can be phrased in different ways, but as Warren said, probably two hundred times yeah. in the New Testament, which is Probably as significant as anything else that's presented as a topic in the in the New Testament. Okay. And that may be helpful, you know. For me, this, this phrase is so important th- throughout uh, throughout the New Testament that every time that's mentioned <clears throat> in Christ, in Him, through Him, Him and us, I actually circle or, or put a square around it mm-hmm. just to get me to stop 
and meditate on that and think about what that means. Okay. So, you know, for example, you know, Ephesians 1, 3, uh, just as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Okay. Like, so even from eternity past, God conceives of his people mm-hmm. as being in Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we first started talking about this episode, from the very beginning, like when we first started talking about this podcast, you put this on the whiteboard as a topic I wanted to talk about, yeah. you wanted to talk about. And I'll just say in all transparency, for me, I've been walking with the Lord for a while. It was a, a new concept yeah. for some reason. I never really heard. I mean, when you explain it, I go, yeah, that makes sense. I've heard that before. But the concept of being united with Christ is actually not something I'd ever heard. Yeah. Why do you, and I think that that might be true for others. Why do you think this concept is so new to people? It might feel new or like, how did I never know that it appears 200 times and it's actually a huge theme and I'm today processing it for the first time. Yeah. Why do you think it feels new to people? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and yeah, I think there, I'd love to hear Dave's thoughts of, of what he would say, but uh, you know, I think a couple of reasons I would think of is maybe maybe a simplistic view of, of Christ and, and what he did for our salvation. So in other words, you know, I think even in my own life, so, so much of our relationships, uh, so many of our relationships are, are transactional. Right. If if I do this, then you will do that. Or if you do that, then I will do this. Mm-hmm. And so we, we often focus on what we get based on what we do, based on our performance. And and and, and that that is true, right? Um, you know, I think about you know having taught at a uh, theology at a, at a, a seminary. Um, you know, my students would always come to me and say, you know, I got a bad grade, but can't you be gracious to me? And I, and I would always say, look, your salvation's by grace, but your grades are by works, right? And, and it's true. And you know, Glad I didn't have you as a professor. I, I needed all the grace I could get. Um, you, you think about job promotions, right? You have job performance reviews, uh-huh. right? And and so, so so many of our relationships, our jobs, our education, it is transactional. And we can often carry that into the Christian life, that if I do this, then God will accept me. Uh, and and so we we kind of view ourselves as kind of distant from or separate from uh, who God is and what He's done for us mm-hmm. in Christ. And again, the New Testament uh, uh, opened our eyes to see that as is fundamentally opposite from what the Christian life is. Uh, it, it's not as though like if I do this, then God will do this, or or if I do this, then you know then then I'll then, then I'll you know do something different. It's it's because who 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 God is and what He has done for me in Christ and how I share in that that becomes fundamental to to who I who I am and how I think of myself. Mm-hmm. I think a couple other things frame the way we look at this and maybe maybe a reason why you haven't heard much about it. And I don't think you're alone in that, Caitlin. I think there's an external cultural feature that we're living in today where our culture has such a high emphasis on therapy, self-help. And so a lot of the ways in which we can interpret the Bible from a from an outside cultural perspective is do more, try harder. You know, mm-hmm. what do I need to do in order mm-hmm. to to grow in 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 my spiritual formation in my life? Uh, with Christ, and there's less emphasis placed on who Jesus is in mm-hmm. us and through us. The other part of it is, I think sometimes we look at the Scripture very myopically. And by that, I mean we don't necessarily look at the Bible with a biblical theology in mind. And so sometimes we miss the the, the proverbial forest through the trees mm-hmm. that we're so focused in on specific words. If you look at the concepts that you're very familiar with, that I know you've been taught your whole life, things like sanctification, adoption, justification— um, all those different concepts, they're all rooted 
in union with Christ. And so mm-hmm. you probably haven't heard that specific phrase, but I'm guessing a lot of what you have been taught has been rooted in and maybe just assumed mm-hmm. that you knew and understood what it means to be united with Christ. So a lot of what we hear, when I'm hearing the transactional piece, and then even when you're talking about is is even like the the concept of therapy, which I think we would say is a really helpful tool, um, but in, in terms of healing and that sort of thing, is around what we can do and how we can do to, to help facilitate healing or restoration in our lives. But union with Christ is essentially about resting entirely in what he's done. Yep. Is that right? Those juxtapositions? Yeah, those it's right. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a participation we have in our union yes. with Christ, mm-hmm. but it's primarily by faith. Okay. If not exclusively by faith, yep. it's played out in good works. It's played out in active obedience, but it's rooted in faith. In other words, uh, Jesus isn't just my model Mm-hmm. for what I want to become. He is the very means by which I become what I want to become. And yeah. therefore, I trust him to be in me, working through me, in order to achieve what he wants to achieve in my life. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, can I say one more thing? I, I think we use the language maybe without without knowing the doctrine. Mm-hmm. All right, so we think about John 15, abide in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. So, you know, that language of abiding we get, right? It's just then going one step further, and this is really what theology does. It, it employs concepts that gather up all of the biblical strands of teaching, right? So, you know, what Jesus says in John 15 or what Paul says in, you know, most of his letters um, <clears throat> is, you know, in the language of, of, of being in Christ, Christ being in us, things happening through Christ, with Christ, you know, all of that's kind of gathered up in, in the term union with Christ. So really it just gives a, a more robust, maybe fully orbed view of what that means in its multi-dimensioned perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'll say, you know, one more thing is that's why I love church history is because this, this term union with Christ or concept uh, has been a staple teaching throughout the history of the church. I mean, you can go back to, I remember reading in, in uh, Athanasius, you know, th- third century, fourth century on the incarnation. And, and he talks about, you know, a king, when, when, when his city, when his town uh, is attacked, he goes and he, he defends that city and he restores it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he says. He says, you know, God in the person of his son, the second person of the Trinity, uh, when, when his world, when his creatures were attacked uh, by sin, Satan, and death, uh, God loved the world in such a way that he sent his son and and he became, the word became flesh and Christ enters that city uh, and Christ becomes one of his creatures. I mean, that's amazing. The creator becomes the creature so that he could rescue his creatures from sin, Satan, and death. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of that, that language that Athanasius is talking about is he does that through being united to us in our humanity such that we can be united to him. Mm-hmm. So that we can become sons of God, mm-hmm. and you know that was you know definitely unpacked more and maybe put more more teeth around it by John Calvin and the Reformation. Uh, you can read his Institutes of the Christian Religion, and he unpacks so beautifully this doctrine of union with Christ and gives a lot more maybe uh, of teaching and and a kind of a full orbed uh, understanding of what it is. Okay, so the concept of union in Christ is the concept of identifying with Him in such a way that it actively shapes our lives in the way that we live, identifying with Christ in the way that that it shapes the way we live. Yes. So it's primarily about identity, yes. right? Identifying with him. Yes. Okay, so let's get into why this concept, we've touched on it a little bit. Why is this concept so important to the Christian life? Dave, why don't you take that one? You know, I think, I think we have to start with a, a real simple question, and that is, and it may sound a little bit consumeristic, but the idea of what do we get when we believe the gospel? Like, 
And again, mm-hmm. it's very culturally framed. What's in it for me? And, and the best answer that I think that's ever been given biblically for that is we get Jesus. And so the idea of union with Christ is I'm in Christ, he's in me, and he's with us. And so to me, it's the most important, valuable dimension of what it means to have a faith relationship with God in Christ. He's not distant. He's not other than. He's not far away from me. The entirety of my life is lived in him. He's actually living in me uh, through, the, through, the, through the Holy Spirit. And we, we acknowledge that God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are different persons, but economically, uh, God the Holy Spirit is living as Christ in us. Mm-hmm. And it also has incredible application for what it means for the three of us, that if you're in Christ and you're in Christ and I am Christ and there's one Christ, guess what? Mm-hmm. We're connected one to another mm-hmm. in an inseparable way, in a significant way. So to me, it's so fundamental and foundational to our faith that everything— Everything that we are and everything we do really emanates from being mm-hmm. in Christ. So, what's the opposite of that? What happens if we get this wrong? If we yeah. don't, if we, if we're off in our understanding of this, what are the a way to think? Is what's at stake here? What's the risk if I don't understand this concept and live it out? You know, I think I think there's many, many things at risk, but I think the greatest thing that's at risk really resides in our hearts. It's the desire. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of union and intimacy with Christ. It's this concept that to be a Christian, first and foremost, is to be in relationship with Jesus in such a way that he's transforming us from the inside out, which really affects everything. It's kind of an inside-out concept Mm -hmm. that the way we think, the way we speak, the way we feel, the way we behave around others is influenced by the fact that Jesus is living through us and in us. And we're living our life in him. Another concept that's so basic, as a matter of fact, we, we, we talk a lot about this at, at Watermark, is to have a great week of worship. In other words, the fact that everything we do is done mm-hmm. in Christ means that everything we do is an opportunity for worship. Mm-hmm. That, that we gather together as a body of Christ. We worship specifically. But as we leave, as we go out, Jesus doesn't depart from us. Mm-hmm. We're not in a sacred place where that's the only place in which his presence is manifested. We're in him, and so everything we do. Mm-hmm. And you see that throughout the Bible, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this concept is so important because it's it's about understanding fundamentally that the gospel is— I think sometimes we think the gospel is you believe in Christ so you can get to heaven, yeah. which is part of that. But what sure. I'm hearing y'all say is— one of the fundamental aspects of the gospel is that you get Christ, and yes. that transforms every aspect of your life. And if we get that wrong, it will affect us in an everyday. Absolutely, our hearts on an everyday. absolutely. And okay. then I think, I think as we look at it biblically, the, the two, um, the two dangers, the two ditches we can go to if we don't get this concept biblically. One would be legalism, mm-hmm. and I don't mean adding rules to the Bible in that sense, but this concept that you and I are right with God based on what we do for Him. He loves me because I obey Him. Mm-hmm. Versus. All, as Warner's already said, all the obedience of Jesus is ours. His performance is ours as a free gift, so we're already accepted. Or the other ditch is lawlessness, that somehow, some way, doesn't really matter how we live anymore because we're already accepted, which is so foreign to this idea of Jesus living in us. Mm-hmm. And we, we're living in him, which radically changes the way we want to live. We want to live for him. We want to live with him. We want him to live through us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um. My next question, Oren, is you said that this is a concept appears in the Bible 200 plus times, yeah. right? Maybe all throughout it more than that. What are some fundamental scriptures that we can go to that talk about the concept of being united with Christ? 
Yeah. So a couple of ones that I would think about is, uh, and, and maybe you know, encourage our, our listeners to to meditate on, uh, and, and just to read slowly and drink deeply from these from these uh, from these waters is John fifteen. I mean, we're all familiar with that passage where Jesus says, "I am the true vine." I mean, we can't read that uh, without. The Old Testament, right? That that Israel was was God's vineyard in the Old Testament, uh, who, who who at the end of the day failed, and Jesus as the as the true Israelite, the obedient Son, He came and now He's the vine, the true vine, and my Father's the vine dresser. And you know He says, and we all are familiar with these words: "Abide in Me, and I in you." As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide. In me, I am the vine; you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. So, you know, we, we even think about you know that, that what a wonderful uh, uh, image of of you know we all get. I mean, we maybe don't we don't do agriculture for a living, but we get that we get the image of of how branches in order for them to survive and live, they have to be attached to the vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the how we conceive of the Christian life. Is It's not just that we we get the gifts of God. We actually get the giver. We're connected to him. He, he is the living, obedient one, as Dave said. Uh, and so everything we need, Christ provides. Uh, and again, to quote Sinclair Ferguson, not in a Scottish accent, is that all, of, on, the, all, all of the sanctification— all of the righteousness I lack in myself, Christ provides in His very life. He is the righteous one. He is the obedient one. Uh, he is, and He is the one who who suffered and died for me, such that we we have that great exchange. Mm-hmm. Right, we're about, we're, we're, where He takes our sin, as as Second uh, Corinthians five says. Uh, he, he takes our sin, becomes sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I mean, there's the words again, right? We become the righteousness of God in Christ, so that we can we can view ourselves now. I am righteous because Christ is my righteousness, which is what Paul says in First Corinthians one thirty, uh, who has become for us my righteousness, sanctification, wisdom, uh, and redemption. And so John fifteen is is a you know is a wonderful image to to communicate how how we conceive of how we live. Mm-hmm. We live in Christ because He's the vine, we are the branch. Uh, another text I would say is Colossians 3, uh, where Paul had just said, you've died with Christ in chapter 2, verse 20. Now he says in chapter 3, verse 1, if you've been raised with Christ, there's the words again, then seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. Why? Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So even that language of we've, been, we've died with Christ, We've been raised with Christ, and now our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. And so, that, you know, again, like the more that we understand that and the more that I've understood that over the past, you know, 25 years of being a Christian, the more shaping that is. Uh, that be, I think a lot of times we can just view uh, of Christ's death and resurrection as something that happened 2,000 years ago, and, and we're kind of disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's actually a wrong way of thinking. It's as though Paul can talk about Christ's death and resurrection actually is now our death and resurrection. And that's why he can say, if you've if you've died with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, you've been buried with him into his death and raised to walk in newness of life, then then how can we continue to sin? Mm-hmm. That's not who we are, right? That doesn't characterize us. Will we sin? Yes. But are we sinners by 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 nature? Is that our identity? No, because we are now in Christ. And we've died to sin, we've been raised to walk in newness of life. Mm-hmm. Here's something that's really exciting. I think when you when you look at the entirety of Scripture, uh, Bible scholars will refer to this idea of union with Christ as being mystical. They they're not saying that it's evasive or it's outside of us. What 
What they're really saying, it's mysterious in that yeah. it's hinted at over and over in the Old Testament. It's mm-hmm. coming, it's coming, and then ultimately revealed in Christ. And so it's it really, it, as you begin to have a lens of understanding it, and you go back and you begin to read the Old Testament, you begin to see glimpses of it in a lot of different places. Yeah. And so certainly it takes root and it takes shape uh, in the New Testament and comes to comes into clarity. Mm-hmm. But you can see it hinted at. You 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 see passages in scripture, even prophetic passages, when when the, when when God says to His people, "This is what I'm going to do in the future." You know, you're gonna you're gonna obey me from the inside out. Now I'm going to put a new heart and mm-hmm. take out the old heart. You're beginning to get this picture of, okay, it's coming, it's coming, and then Jesus comes, lives His perfect life, dies a substitutionary mm-hmm. death, death is raised, sends the Holy Spirit, and then. This, everything changes. So those are the concepts in the Old Testament we should look for that are the seeds of union with Christ. Yeah. The concepts of when God says, I'm going to come and do a work in you. Yeah. Right. And if you if you, if you you have a New Testament perspective, looking back, and you go to a place like Ephesians 1, where we were chosen in Him before the foundation of the—in Him again, that language of in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you see what Oren talked about from Colossians 3 of our life is now hidden in Christ. Mm-hmm. When He returns, we'll ultimately experience our full life. Then you get this panoramic sense that start to finish— this was God's plan. Yeah. Awesome. It's really exciting. Yeah, and you think about, you know, you, I think it's a great, you know, just to put language around it. It's mystical or mysterious. That that language just comes from Ephesians 5. And, and Paul is talking about the, the mystery of a husband and wife becoming one. And, you know, that's a, that's a, that that union between a husband and wife that that you it speaks about a new identity right which really just draws upon Genesis 2 24 25 that that a, a husband um he leaves his father and mother he cleaves to his wife and the two become one and so you think about the the, the meaning of marriage is really now learning how to live out of who we are as one flesh mm-hmm. right uh and that, that's really the language that Paul's drawing upon uh and that's why it's a mystery is because because marriage is is a picture of, of something far greater that every Christian can experience, mm-hmm. whether you're married or not. We experience in something far greater. That, ma- that marriage is as great as it is. It's just a shadow that points to something far greater mm-hmm. and richer. And that is our union with Christ, mm-hmm. that we become one. And so because we have a, a new identity, we, we, we can and we will live uh, such that uh, I always tell my students that a new identity causes a new activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's only because we have a new identity. It's only because we have died and have been raised that we can consider ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's just Romans uh, six one through twelve. Okay, so today I heard in terms of where it appears in the Scripture, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, we specifically mentioned um, Romans six. We mentioned John fifteen, Ephesians one. I heard Colossians three. So mm-hmm. we'll put. How about I'll do this. We'll put all of those in the show notes, yep. including I think would be fun is to pull some of the Old Testament prophetic things that point forward yeah. um, to this concept. So we'll pull a couple of references for people to meditate on and see where they see this concept coming. Can I give one more? <gasps> yes. Because, I mean, as the kids say, I mean, this this oh. slays, all right? Okay. So Galatians 2.20, right? <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the mm-hmm. life I live now, I live by faith, not in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So even that language, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It's not just that Christ has been crucified. I've actually been crucified with him. So when God looks at me, he looks at me as dead to sin and alive in his son. Mm-hmm. So and, and so that's just understanding our union more and more is understanding that it's, it's Christ who loved me and gave himself up for me so that I can live in him. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's a perfect tee-up to our next question, which is, what is the scope of our union with Christ? So let me take this to a 
extreme, yeah. right? If I say, well, I'm united with Christ, which means I'm eternal. I can't die, right? I don't think that's what we mean. But so clarify, what is the scope of what do we enjoy because we're uni- united with Christ? What are kind of, what's the scope of that? Yeah. Such a good question. And, and I love what uh, someone said this week that I was studying and he would say it's pervasive. It's all-encompassing. It's that big of a concept. It's that big of an idea that here's the idea that all that Jesus has achieved for us through his perfect life, his substitutionary atonement, his victorious resurrection is applied to us. We get to enjoy it in the power of the Holy Spirit in our union with Christ. And so if you think about all that Jesus has accomplished for us, including relating to us, Mm -hmm. loving us, being with us, all of that really is— uh, foundational and emanates from our union with Christ uh, through the person and ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's big. It's I, I can't I can't say it's okay. I, give us a good theological yeah. term for how big is it? Well, it's massive. It's, it's, it's comprehensive, it's all, it's and, it, comprehensive. and it spans eternity past to eternity future. I mean, think about it. that's that's how comprehensive it is. What I mean by that is that God from eternity past He chose us in Christ from before the foundation of the world, and and when Christ, who is our life, returns. So we also will will appear with him with him in glory. That's Colossians three four, right? So it 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 goes from eternity past and it and it goes to eternity future, mm-hmm. because he is our life and we will be with him forever. He will be our God. We will be our we will be his people. Okay. It's even fundamental, meaning that if you're not in Christ, you're not a Christian. Yeah. Right. To be a Christian is to be in Christ. Yeah. To not yes. be in Christ is to not be a Christian. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the way the Bible uses language so that we even understand this concept more broadly, you're either an Adam, mm-hmm. which means all his performance is yours. You're dead, you're dead in your uh-huh. sin, or you're in Christ. And we see that played out in Romans 5. Mm-hmm. And so that's how uh, basic it is to our central identity of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and there are theological terms, I mean, you know, to, to, to kind of give handles around it. We are, we are chosen in Christ, we're called in Christ, we're justified in Christ, we're sanctified in Christ, we're glorified in Christ. So it expands the whole of our salvation from the very beginning, from regeneration of being made alive mm-hmm. and the new birth to the very end of, of not just we, we die in Christ, right? We think about, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, that those who die in Christ will be raised with him mm-hmm. and we'll raise them for what? For glory, right? In eternity future. That's who we are. Is the concept you're talking about progressive sanctification? Is yes. that the right concept yep. that we're talking about? Because yep. I think a, to even go back to what we talked about at the beginning is I think a simplistic view and or even just like when you're a lot of believers when they're first starting out, mm-hmm. right? When you first you think a transactional view of salvation, right? Is like I believe in Christ so that I can go to heaven. Yeah. And right. And what you're saying is that this is fundamental to understanding progressive sanctification. Yes. Why don't you unpack what that means? <laughs> yeah. In so, case people don't know what that term yeah, is. Yeah, folks talk about two kind of two aspects, uh, positional and and progressive and positional sanctification just means we are holy because we are in Christ. Right. So in other words, that that is our position. So so Paul, you know, for example, you know, can, can talk about uh, to the Corinthian church as sinful as that church was. When he writes to them, he says, saints, holy ones. I mean, how in the world is that the case that that they have this, they have division, they have all kinds of sin, uh, they have all kinds of, of you know family feud going on, and yet Paul can say to them, You are holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gets more to the, the concept of justification, that we are counted righteous because we're united to the righteous one. Versus, you know, now, now out of that position, we we can become more holy, 
right? Mm-hmm. That's what progressive sanctification is. And we see that connection in Romans 4. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And it leads to a life of of, uh, of being becoming more like Christ, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, he is transforming us from one degree of glory to another uh, from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, so in being united with Christ, God gives us the very Spirit of Christ, Romans 8, so that we can, by His Spirit, put off sin, put to death sin, and put on Christ. And so, you know, this and this connects with John 15 as, as a loving Father who knows more than us, who is more powerful than us, and is wiser than us. He knows how to prune us, and He loves His Son so much that He's going to make us look like His Son. Mm-hmm. And so, as a loving Father, He gets rid of the things that don't look like Jesus, which bring death, mm-hmm. and such that He prunes us so that we look more like Jesus, which brings joy, mm-hmm. right? And that's why Jesus came, John 15, 11. I came that you might have my joy, and that in me you, your joy might be made full. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We've covered a lot on this. Lot. And we're, I, we're only through part one. Yeah. So part two, I think we're going to go— I think we've talked about the theological framework, and I think part two is going to be about taking it a little bit more boots on the ground. How does this apply to everyday lives? We're going to talk about how this has worked itself out in your two specific stories because I know it's personally really important to y'all. So all that's going to come in part two. But for right now, thank y'all for joining us for this episode of the Watermark Equipping Podcast. Um, Join us next time. And until then, have a great week of worship. 